0: We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator
1: with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And now New Galaxy Broadcasting presents Inalienable and Free, Voice of the Coalition, a program addressing the grave challenges to human and citizen rights in America and the rest of the world. How can we, the people of Earth, take back the power and privileges granted to us by God and address so significantly in the Declaration of Independence? Our rights are inalienable, that is, given by God and incapable of being taken away from or given by another. These rights are the basis of liberty, the foundation of all life and happiness. The Coalition of Planetary Empowerment is an organization designed to give its members tools and information to empower them personally, in relationships and in business and employment but also to give them a voice and the ability to help transform political and corporate governance to support the true needs and desires of people throughout the world Inalienable and free focuses on the need for government and corporate business interests to be responsive to the will and desire of their constituents and consumer shareholders this is johnny blue star good morning world i'm host of inalienable and free voice of the coalition And I'm joined today by Don Newsom, owner of BBS Radio. He and his brother, Doug, own and operate a very unique, important, and rapidly rapidly expanding online broadcast center, which features, among other things, live broadcast operator assistance for podcast hosts. To me, coming out of Talk Radio AM, where I did have exceptional board help from time to time, I find the help that I'm provided live with each broadcast, coupled with the exceptional opportunities to promote my shows using using BBS's in-house capacities, makes my coming across BBS radio a little like finding buried treasure of inestimable value, buried on cold, junk-littered internet space. Perhaps, uh, Perhaps, Don, you could give us a little bit of an update.
2: Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it and appreciate being here with your audience. Um, love to. Well, PBS Radio's growing up. The baby's getting older. <laughs> yep. Yeah.
1: And. Um, doesn't look too much older, though.
2: No, you know, yeah, it doesn't seem to age all that ungracefully, does he? <laughs> no, not
3: at all.
1: It's like, um,
2: yeah. Well, we're, you know, we're on a a lot more stations now we're on about uh well let's just say we're on over 120 broadcast stations now we list half of the half of them the other half are just about all of them are foreign portals across 13 countries so we are internationally broadcasting uh, through a lot of countries a lot of services a lot of websites a lot of digital portals a lot of radio stations And, um, we got an agreement back, uh, by iHeart and, well, it was an application. We filled it out and we've been going back and forth with iHeart Radio because they take all of our podcasts and now we want them to handle our live digital streams. But there's a little bit of a process with iHeart and, uh, we're just in the final step. Um, so, uh, we communicated again, communicated again yesterday and it looks like, uh, this final step, uh, and it's insurance, folks. It's, it's you know, you got to have some serious insurance or you're not going to be able to uh, broadcast with them live. So that's the last little uh, hang-up, and once that's done, we'll be there. And we've uh, added a bunch more podcast portals, so when the broadcast is over, the podcast then gets syndicated to a whole myriad of new uh, places, and we're adding them all the time. We're probably in about, oh, uh, it's, Trust me, it's got to be over 90 podcast portals you'll find BBS radio productions in. But wow. we automatically syndicate them to about, oh, let's say a dozen. And then the rest pick them up over time or they get tapped by the broadcaster to carry their uh, show feed. But it's significant. Uh, we're, we're growing by leaps and bounds, having a lot of fun. We've added another... Uh, Uh, I would say nine shows to the lineup in the last few weeks, and they're all coming aboard this week, today, tomorrow, and so on, and throughout the week. So a lot of new shows coming. We're having fun. Yeah.
1: So thanks for asking. Well, thank you for telling us. Well, last week was an important broadcast because it was the first part of a set of programs called Informed and Awakened that are part of our Recipe for a Perfect World, a geopolitical uh, perspective series. In this series, we look carefully at various ongoing geopolitical perspectives, which in the contemporary setting are typically unsatisfactory polarized solutions, which means that you have two or more major combatants about the policy in question. Then we try to come up with a non-polarized solution, something that's coming from a higher level, actually. In order to offset some of the dark moments of the discussion of this show, because we're really taking on the world as it is, right, John? Right, Don?
2: We're taking them on and we're winning.
1: Right. <laughs> I, can see, I can see all the progress we're having. Anyway, Jonima jo and Kawasu Wintergate, singers, songwriters musicians, have three songs for us today through their band Lightforce that will maybe break up a little bit of the darkness. Well, now let's get back to the uh, topic of the show. Of all the paradigms we can build surrounding solutions to unsatisfactory geopolitical solutions, the most important one is probably the existence and active participation of informed and awakened electorate. So how are we going to change things unless the people the people of the world, and in our case, particularly the people of the United States, wake up? Right, Don? That's what we're trying to do. Wake them right out of their slumber. And, you know... Um, it's 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 a pretty deep
2: sleep. It's a deep sleep. It's almost as deep as the one we're in coming here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but but how do you become? <clears throat> how do you how do you accomplish this? And how can you assist in this process? Our task last, last last week was to develop some of the steps needed for a citizen to become empowered in a way that he could become to become an informed, uh, you know, take part in being an informed collective that could bring. In better government corporate and media policies and make real changes in the world. I'd like to just go over these a few things here. <clears throat> uh, first of all, become informed through the best sources of news and information available to you. This would include mainstream and alternative media, conversations with friends, associates within different types of organizations, including uh, political ones. And if you're a professional media, direct experience of being at the event or persons in question uh, or persons in question, or investigating them yourself directly, and talking to those who have uh, also done that or have done that themselves. Books and websites are also useful, even critical sources. There are still also physical buildings called libraries. Don, do you know that there are libraries still? I've heard of them. I've heard of them, and there there are actually <laughs> there are actually hard copy items such as magazines and newspapers. Oh wow! Well, I
2: thought they were more like those Kindle tablets, but maybe not.
3: Yeah, it's just uh,
1: <laughs> it's a different world, Don, than maybe the ones we originally grew grew yeah. up with.
2: I, I I think I remember what a library looks like uh, back in maybe it was a uh, tenth or eleventh grade. I saw yeah. inside of one.
1: <laughs> I do go to a library occasionally here. <laughs> American Fork has a nice library, and I uh, I do enjoy that. But the fact is, is most of my reading is is at home and even getting books is fairly inexpensive so anyway it's it's a good deal in in a certain way but i I, you know you can't kind of miss libraries if you've used them a lot well another thing that and the old bookstores just just uh oh
2: yeah bookstores that's well they they, i
1: think i know of one in the the, in the five cities around us
2: (laughs) That's what I used to do. Go to those old used bookstores and buy them. Oh, buy yes. The, uh, literally shopping basket full. And, oh, yeah. That's how I did it. <laughs>
1: yeah, I understand that. Well, question, then the other thing is to question all the information and relevant events you count, uncount, encounter. Unfortunately, sometimes these days you have to question whether the event ever happened at all. This is the suggestion. I'm going to play it in a second. From a website called the Last American Website, I'm sorry, the Last American Vagabond Website, in the following audio, Ryan Christian, its creator and host, gives a very important warning about the way you need to approach everything you investigate. That'll be on B, I'm sorry, at N79.
4: We all have bias. There's no way to get away from that. But as long as you can stand back. And look at anything you're being confronted with, with open eyes, with critical analysis. You can eventually recognize that bias. You can look at a given story and say, okay, I do think this is the truth. But if I'm able to stand back and ask myself if that could be false in the face of new information, you're then seeing beyond that two-party paradigm. And that's the most important thing we could have today. Because what that does effectively, as I says here... Conditioned hate for the other side and false certainty, which is basically everything you see in the extreme sides of the two-party paradigm. Whether you're talking about Russiagate or QAnon or any any of these extreme sides, they hate each other without reason, simply because they see them as the enemy, without taking a moment to consider information that contradicts what they're looking at. It's not just those two things. It's many, many things within all of it. And it's just very important for us to recognize this as we go into all the stories we discuss and be able to stand back and and acknowledge that just because you think this is not the case, it may in fact be the opposite. It may in fact be the case, which is something that's hard to do. Trust me. I do it every single day because I have a pretty strong belief in the way I see the world. I have a pretty strong grasp on what I think is reality, but... It doesn't mean it's the case. And I'm willing to accept that with every day going forward. Somebody just recently emailed me after my longer show yesterday asking if I was willing to have a further discussion about the flat earth theory. And you know, I I do not think that's the case. I actually have done my research and strongly feel the opposite. But I'm absolutely willing to have that discussion with him because I'm open to anyone's perspective. And as we all must be. I think that
1: we'll go into this a little bit more. But for me... Going into Iraq, based on stuff that we're going to probably bring up about Colin Powell's speech in the United Nations, that was one of the biggest mistakes I ever made. I don't know how I could have prevented it, because there was, it all happened so fast, right? And um, well, it did. so, yeah. and so, uh, so I, it, I began, to, I began to question all of this later on. And it was really embarrassing. I I thought uh, at first, you know, that uh, later on, that Obama was going to be a big help. But Obama did a lot of, you know, short-circuiting his own promises and changing.
2: Yeah, well, everybody got fooled by him. And they got fooled by uh, Clinton, too. I mean, she's the... I mean, think of how many murders follow her and, and are because of her, and yet everybody was, I'm with her. And if you believe the statistics of the number of voters that actually voted for her, come on. But if you do, you got to realize how brainwashed people truly are because that lady belongs in a jumpsuit in a prison for her entire life. And yet here she is even considering a run for the presidency. Again, she's still not in jail, so... Uh, I gotta tell you, I mean, these people, they're so outrage. they make the lies so outrageous, so large, uh, that most people just can't see around them.
1: They well, the thing of, about that is that, um, so much is available about the Clintons. I, now, I think one of the most outrageous things is the... Well, Obama the pay- was
2: part and parcel right in there with her.
1: Yeah, right. Right
2: in there with her, right in her camp, doing the same damn things the same way, and, um... You know, he just had a little uh, prettier face.
1: Well, one of the things that was done, I mean, that I believe was done in Cash for the, it's described in detail in Cash for the Clintons, is pay for play stuff. Pay for play stuff going millions and probably billions of dollars going to the Clinton Foundation based on fairly obvious things. That very few people have mentioned. Very obvious. I actually, I actually read read that book um, before actually uh, Trump brought it up. But I read it before that, and I knew that um, no matter. I don't have a great opinion of this administration, it we'll discuss probably, but um, the fact is that that stuff has been buried, and and you well, know the Department that,
2: of Justice. Now think on this. It yeah. really comes down to one one group and that's the department of justice because they oversaw even the intelligence agencies including the fbi and the department of justice has been locking down the investigations and giving these people a free uh get out of jail card basically and it all comes down to a criminal justice system and that comes right square back into the laps mostly of the judges we have, um, and those heads of the Department of Justice, of Department of Defense, and you know that whole quagmire is a swamp of deceit and lies and pedophilia and 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 human trafficking, and it's such a serious web skein uh, of of evil that. As it starts to unravel and I'll bet you Trump's having a tough time with it including people in the military that are that are you know patriots and people that believe in this country and its citizens and uh, to have that happen just is sincerely horrifying so in my opinion we need to be cleaning out the DoD and uh, the DOJ Department of not Department of Defense, Defense excuse me Department of Justice it truly needs to be cleaned out and we need to start holding these people accountable Um, and we're not I mean I I see Trump's trying to but then you got all these people in there uh, shuffling it under the rug dismissing it not bringing charges not bringing indictments creating a, a kangaroo court system where they all laugh and snicker and everybody gets away with it like every single time and it's you know, it seems to be par for the course, even with this current administration. A little more dancing, but I don't see a hell of a lot getting resolved. Because well. if, if Clinton doesn't wind up in jail, that is, that is the, let's say, qualifier for me. If she doesn't wind up in jail, this administration literally can't do a damn thing about the severe corruption that runs this country.
1: Well... Okay, well, I, I agree with that, except I think that you're dealing with extreme corruption that's running this country now. I don't see any of these sides. Well, I'll just go into it. Uh, the next step. We're talking about it, it being informed and then asking questions, questioning everything. The next step is to ask why. Sometimes there's a clear answer, but now, these days, we have to look at motivation. So here's a little bit of a controversial point. Two of the recent events that happened with the United States and later an alliance of the U.S., France, and Great Britain attacking Syria because of alleged gas attacks by Assad on his own citizens. One of the questions people asked were, why would Assad attack his own citizens when he was winning the war, overcoming the terrorist groups that were attacking his own country? It's a good question. Some people say they never existed, those attacks. And second of all, before the before uh, these, you know, these attacks occurred, there was no attack on our country at all. There was no citizens there to be speaking of. There I was no. Believe, re- I
2: don't believe he gassed his people. I mean, that whole story uh, to me sounds like another Iraq. It's it's a false flag. Right, I th- right. I think
1: it's a false flag, but it's two false flags. One of them bringing in all of our ally, you know, two of our greatest allies, right. and without going to Congress at all. And without,
2: there what are. There power are, they have to be able to start wars with our money anywhere they want and then start bankrolling themselves. It's horrifying.
1: It's exactly right. And, and then, well, we, we can go into more of that. But let me just go on a little bit more here. Since 9 11, the American people have succumbed to various policies agreed to by their representatives they've elected, whose actions indicate their need. Uh, the, the the, the uh, representatives need to fulfill the wishes of their patrons over and above those that voted them for them, so they're not representing the people; they're representing the, pa- the patrons. The current administration has probably executed the most. Visible wholesale attack on our constitutional freedoms than ever before and has engaged in transparent efforts to affect the perception of its base. That have encouraged members to condone policies that damage their safety, their health, their privacy, their citizens' rights for fair speech, a fair trial, freedom from torture. Uh, I, I,
2: I'd have to jump in here because I, I, I disagree with that.
1: Um, well, let, let me finish the okay. sentence and then get Access to an attorney and so many other elements that have traditionally associated with being a citizen of the United States—all of those things—they're the, the, not supplying a better health system. They're not. They're they're going ahead and trying to to. Well, uh, have Obama oil was oil with the r- first one to drilling.
2: actually tax our health system and and force us. A force our health care to be a part of our tax plan, and I'm not, taxes.
1: I'm, not I'm not defending. Obama. Believe right, me, I don't you believe. Know, when you I get don't in believe.
2: There after a policy like that, how do you fix it? When they've already brought it down to such an extent and destroyed it, which was their plan, how do you fix it? Well, you kind of have to roll with it because now it's a bipartisan issue, and you've got the issue, and you've got the issue laying in front of you. Now, you have to compromise uh make deals try to bring it back to some semblance of civility when it comes to the healthcare situation Well the healthcare
1: and, situation before Obama was terrible uh, Well so of course it, so, look who was in Well course, I mean it's, it's been, it's been I the mean, plan you have to have something like Well, a lot of people believe
2: we deserve free health care because Switzerland or because Sweden or because a couple other countries do it and it works. Well, you know, if we have a little country the size of uh, Washington State, maybe if everybody's pretty wealthy and the money's gone there and now those wealthy citizens want to uh, uh, create a little paradise for themselves, that's doable. But when you start thinking you're going to do that on a large scale, like an entire country the size of the U.S. and then get... The middle class, the bourgeois, to start paying for it all, because believe me, it won't be the rich. Well, then you kill, you destroy that middle class, and really it becomes a vicious circle where things start getting worse and worse. That's the situation we're in. It landed in President Trump's lap, and I personally believe he is more of an Austrian type of economics fellow who's a constitutionalist, like we all know. And I think he's trying to bring things back to some type of uh well some type of a plan that doesn't involve let's say taking more and more money out of people's pocket and socializing it to the people who just are illegal aliens or anybody else and i know i it upsets me because people should be coming here free and not creating these sorts of problems for our culture and our country um but yeah, I, I, I personally believe this healthcare situation cannot be socialized it, in any way. I think that Bernie Sanders is completely wrong. I think if we tried to socialize this industry it'd be in the a double digit trillions the cost the cost to do what everybody thinks needs to be done so we could all have free health care and then then we would be Venezuela times a hundred. So I'm, you know, this health care plan shouldn't I mean, it it can't be nailed on on President Trump's forehead because he didn't create such a mass. Well, I,
1: I think I think uh, I do disagree with you because I do think we need a, a certain type of single payer system. I and I, I, I think, I, think I, I and I think that it's part of our right. In other words, that See, we, a lot we, of people we should, should that have, is, healthcare I, right? is situ- the basic I've had a, been in this situation with not having health I don't believe it. I do personally, I personally do
2: not want to pay for somebody out there that's lived a poor life in that they they didn't care about their health, they didn't care about anything else, and when it came down to the problems, I got to pay for them? No, I, I, I don't, you know, most times I can't even afford to pay for my own.
1: Why well, I'll would tell you I, what. Right? Why? Because people are dying every day. Look, being crippled and destroyed because they don't have health care. I don't
2: have health care. I have four kids that are all yeah, teenagers. But you also have. By, the way, by yeah. the way, just for the audience out there, for all you that are tuning in, mm-hmm. I do not have health care. My wife does not have health care. And my four kids do not have health care. And my oldest boy 20 almost. And we've never had it.
1: Well, maybe you're so, more fortunate.
2: Now, now, maybe you are. And, sure. and I'm no wealthy guy. Trust me, I've come from the back end of broke a few times and had to do it again. And when you're totally bust, no health care for your whole family, and you're broke, and you're trying to work it through, you do it. Now, a lot and, and a lot of people don't think they should have to. It should just be it's a right. I
1: don't believe that for one second. Well, I don't agree with you on many <laughs> many different levels. One of them is that. Other people, unlike yourself, who I think is a smart uh, entrepreneur, have to work for other people, and they do not necessarily get enough money as I have. I've seen my wife nearly; she nearly died because she couldn't get the right kind of care at sure, a certain I've point. I've
2: seen that happen quite a bit. And I and
1: I don't want anybody to ex- experience. If we're but all you, yeah, to but be,
2: that's the bleeding heart syndrome. I don't want no, anybody to bleeding. die either. I don't bleeding. want anybody to. Wait but but like a second. When it comes to reality, is, it's all men
1: are created equal. All men are created yeah, but you equal. can't
2: hold that, you know, saying that oh, all yeah. men are created equal and I should get what you should have, that's communism on a, on a yeah. strict level. They, no, it, it's not communism. Well, it, it is when communism. you basically say we're all going to be even and no one gets more. No, I didn't
1: say that. I said all men are created well, equal. Well, when you're and saying all certain... men
2: should get a, no, a, a pay said. stub of no. equal share to end up no, paying I don't for their medical, no, for their medical, do it's it. the same thing. That's uh, the highest amount That's of money that would come out of my well, pocket hey, if hey, I ever did it. Wait a
1: second. Says all men are created equal and have inalienable rights. That's not, a, that's well, not, that's a, not a, a communist. I don't believe health
2: care is an inalienable right, and I don't believe that all people. I don't
1: think a person in, in a country, be look, at the people who don't have health care, they don't have money. They might be working three jobs at once and still not have money. Right. If they run in, I've done that they,
2: often enough.
1: If they run into a really bad situation with a, a certain type of health care, they're, they're, they're going to die. Right, and, and, and hundreds and hundreds of people die because of not being able to get. I wonder health. how many
2: people actually die because they're forced to pay for services and things to, for other people that don't deserve it. How many people actually die because they're sick, they're elderly, they can't afford their insurances anymore, they can't, or they can't afford uh, to live anymore because insurances uh, are being forced upon them. Uh, not as many. I, I, I don't know about that. I mean, no one has ever brought up that fact. You know, I, I look at some of these countries and I look at how they're proceeding with a similar type of understanding. And uh, I see people dying and being sickly in droves. So I, I, I'm not convinced. I just am Well not I'm not Well,
1: I, I don't believe in convincing people like that. You know, I'm telling you my 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 opinion. But my opinion is definitely I don't mean that there couldn't be other forms of private insurance, but I don't think we should have people dying insurance on Insurance is kind of
2: you know, I mean it was it was interesting when it started out on the global stages, these insurance things. But they ended up being such a rocket that they literally start controlling the the establishments. Uh, that that offer these services and products so insurance really that's another thing that is such a scam and needs to, and and the whole situation behind that is just a boondoggle that just is hard to repair once again it's another nightmare um,
1: well, I, I agree with that single payer takes away the, you know the uh, the insurance companies in that sense
2: if i had to continue paying if uh, some of the... Well, let's say if I had okay, to continue a, a business. paying the Obamacare, yeah. uh, which, you know, if you didn't have insurance, you got penalized, which I did. Yeah. I truly did. I had to pay the whole darn thing, and I lost, you know, I mean, I got four kids and don't get any returns. So I'm thinking, whoa, and and, and this... The, the whole, um, you know, uh, idea of socialized medicine does, honestly, never sat well with me. Um smaller country, that might work. If we were to bring power back to the people and stop giving so much power off to these foreign international agencies and and large corporations and our government, federal government, we start bringing it back to the people, local levels, state levels, which really should be done, then we could be doing these things. Oh, well, yeah, look,
1: okay. look, 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 oh, yeah. Here's, let's get free here's, healthcare here's something important. Here, here's something to realize. If you have Medicare, which I do, I have Medicare. And I'm not using the government to, as a as a provider. I'm using uh, Select Health uh, because the way Medicare works is that it you know it gives you a provider. You have certain uh, certain break. Right. But on the other hand, there is one socialized me- form of medicine in this country. It's called the VA. That's true. And uh, and I think that that um, I necessarily I'm not necessarily thinking that we have to have the government administrating the health care uh, in the sense of direct providing you know, health care should be totally privatized.
2: Uh, there should be in my opinion no government involved in in uh, medicine, no government involvement in health care, no government involvement in education. Whoa. See I'm kinda like the Republican. Take money away from education.
1: Yep, good idea. Take money away from healthcare. Yep, good well, idea. Well I think Take- I think you're gonna have a you're gonna have a lot of dead people. And a lot uh, of, and a lot of really, uh, and a lot of, yeah, you're you're going to kill.
2: I'm such a terrible guy. How could you want that? Well, you know, uh, well, small government, free enterprise is the total way to go. And we should back off from this monstrosity we've created and try a whole new paradigm. And one that's worked in the past, tried and true, tried and true. I don't
1: believe it's worked in the past. It hasn't worked in the past.
2: I, I believe it has. I think it got where, tr- where I, I during the
1: during the, the era of the industrial, age, the beginning of the industrial. Sure, when age. when we were ro- a lot smaller. With lot the robber barons had
2: children working, and we had more local power, local uh, uh, rights, and you know, again, we kind of have to bring it back to the to the local stage where it originated, and, and, where we had it, all our power and started giving it all up.
1: We, we didn't have that power. The robber barons made people work for practically nothing, well, and there, that was during the that was during the beginning of the you know the industrial there, there era. There was
2: a lot of that we had to climb out of, and we did. We did it real well, and we did it. Pretty I have quickly. to say,
1: I have to say, the reality is, in my opinion, and this is I'm, and with all respect the to finest your reality, nation that makes the more money is,
2: GDP is that, than most nations put together. And we have a constitution that many countries have followed and emulated. And we have an empire that's literally stabilized or just, you know, stabilized a lot of the uh, uh, global strife. And even though people don't believe it, it has, I personally believe (laughs) that uh, the United States has done a phenomenal job, and we've shown the rest of the world how to do it, and then progressing into the nonsense of a liberalistic system that, that doesn't bring us back to our roots, that made us great, made us to be this shining example of, let's say... You mean say, like the
1: shining example of people coming in, colonists coming into this country from Great Britain and destroying all the, indig- the indigenous people? War- uh, Killing thousands and thousands of indigenous people. Oh, of course, they wanted land. the land. You, you got to obviously
2: get the land well, titles and rights. This but great, this great
1: imperial, years. this great empire that you say we've done has has raped the 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 environments yeah, sure. of many many there, different countries. Been the good and the and evil, just, no doubt, no doubt. And and given the money to the wealthy of those people. And, and taken away the, the, the resources of the country and put them in debt. And they've done that through these plans that people keep wanting to offer
2: up that says, hey, we got to take from the people and give it to somebody else. And every time they do, there's an arbitrage factor there. Where somebody uh, takes a huge uh, slug of the money.
1: Yeah, well, first of all, getting back to the healthcare thing, one of the things that's wrong with healthcare is that so much of the medical services that are open uh, offered, and particularly the pharmaceutical offers, are bad for people. <laughs> yeah. or, they're, or they're just put there to make money. So if you start removing those things and start having truly some kind of real holistic health instead of pharmaceutically driven health, you're going to cut millions and millions of dollars. Right. I mean, if we could change
2: the medical plan where it wouldn't be so expensive, trillions and trillions...
1: But it's not just expensive; it's dangerous. It's, of course. And and and, and real real uh, holistic healthcare things are. I mean, yeah, I was. That's why not, I, I say no privatize
2: about, it all. Privatize no, it all.
1: No, privatizing it. Okay. Well, gotta look. I got a lot then, more services. I got to. I got. I want to go into some other details here, <laughs> because this is an exciting moment. But we've taken up about half the time. Okay. And I was I'm not prepared to argue with somebody as smart as you. You know what I mean? <laughs> so anyway, so we'll see if we can find any, any kind of,
2: uh, common ground.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, this was great. Thank you for, uh, oh, thank, thank you. you for challenging everything I believe in. Okay. Yeah. So, um, since nine 11, the people have, uh, okay. Where were we? Um, yeah, I remember I was saying how 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 uh, everything in the administration has damaged all these things, and you don't think so. I was thinking of the interesting time, although this is not an American citizen, uh, where they had a recently they had a three-year-old come into uh, one of these immigration uh, courtrooms alone. <laughs> so... It, <laughs> <laughs> and here's another one. So in one of these immigration courtrooms, they had a 14 year old kid there. And one of the th- questions he asked after they sort of read read some stuff, he said, what's a lawyer? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, so let's go on to this. Perhaps even as disturbing or more as uh or more so than any of the aforementioned, possibly, is the administration's continuous use of our troops in various military actions without congressional approval, or even more importantly, without the declaration of war that the Constitution demands. This safeguard, assuming an intelligent Congress dedicated to represent their constituents and the good of the country, is especially important when existing in a world constantly standing in the shadow of global nuclear war. Let's recall a few uh, recent events mirroring this concern. Do you remember this moment uh, with, uh, at the time of the Pompeo's nomination for secretary of state was being considered? Here's N8 Rand enterprise and your willingness to serve the country.
5: Um, You discussed with Senator Kane a little bit about whether or not the president has the authority to bomb Assad's forces or installations in Syria. And you mentioned historically, well, we've done it in the past. I don't think that's a complete enough answer. I mean, my question would be, do you think it's constitutional? Does the president have the constitutional authority to bomb Assad's forces? Does he have the authority absent congressional action to bomb Assad's forces or installations?
1: Senator, as I, I think I said to Senator Kane, I'm, I'm happy to repeat my, my view on this. Uh, those decisions are waiting. Every place we can, we should work alongside Congress to get that. But yes, I believe the president has the domestic authority to do that. I don't think I don't think that has been disputed by Republicans or Democrats throughout an extended period of time.
5: Actually it's disputed mostly by our founding fathers who believe they gave that authority to Congress and actually they're uniformly opposed to the uh, executive branch having that power. In fact, Madison wrote very specifically, he said, the executive branch is the branch most prone to war, therefore we have with studied care vested that authority in the legislature. So the fact that we have in the past done this doesn't make it constitutional and I would say that I take objection to the idea that the president can go to war when he wants, where he wants.
1: Well. Interestingly, I I don't know if you can find what the various things that Rand Rand Paul I do, I is about. Rand,
2: uh, I love Rand Paul. Doctor Paul is probably one of the most exciting politicians I've seen. He actually, if I were to say, who do I think like the most? It would be Doctor Paul. You're talking about which
1: one, Rand or
2: his younger to... one, the older oh, one? Oh well, yeah, the older one. He's I I, I like I like. Uh, Ron Paul I really do but I think his son is a little more of a negotiator kind of like Trump he's going to negotiate a way around things a little more than his father would and his father's a little more rigid and he doesn't have as as much support because of that rigidity
1: well uh, I like Rand Paul when he talks about things like this I dislike everything a lot of half of what he he believes and same with Ron Paul but I, I have to say they're both very courageous defenders of liberty. They are, and and nobody, hardly anybody else, is is profoundly. Uh, and they understand what it is that that
2: that let's say creates that kind of uh, a freedom, liberty. They understand that the basics of it, and that's what's really important because we've gotten so far away the basics. Everybody's confused.
1: Well. I do think that what's happened is that people now, in, through their lens of their programming, they invert what the Constitution actually is saying, and what the Declaration is. It's, it's kind of weird. Let's listen to uh, his father, though, about the false flag in, in Syria, the, his opinion. And
0: I think what's going on here is the United States and the anti-Assad people have lost the war. And they're they're very very desperate, so they're st- striking out to stir up this uh, this trouble, and uh, so uh, that fell through. So they had to have another gas attack. I imagine that's about the f- third or fourth time they've used gas as the issue, because that's the red line. Oh, if he uses gas against his own people, so the argument is. The way the, the way the people that perpetuate these false flags is that uh, Assad is gassing his own people at the same time he's winning the war and the people are flocking back in to go to the territories that he has uh, returned to the government of Syria. But ne- nevertheless, uh, he's out there gassing his own people, which makes no sense whatsoever. And s- fewer and fewer people are, are believing this. But unfortunately, uh, uh, the people who control our bombs and our weapons and our allies, uh, you know, go along with it. Well, anyway, they had to come up with something new. So it's another another gas attack in East, uh, East Bhutan, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, pictures and all and white helmets and they explain it. Oh, Assad's killing his own people again. Enough where uh, whether it was connected or not I don't know but then there was the incident over the weekend uh, where it looks like uh, uh, the Israelis bombed up near Homs homes I guess and and it, but it turns out that that's about their 100th mission up there. But anyway, it's all this connected there and uh, now of course we've just uh, sort of have already started to recover from bringing the troops home. That lasted for three five or minutes. four <laughs> five minutes, right? <laughs> so uh here it is. Um, it looks like uh the the bosses, the uh deep state had different ideas and we have no idea what the true motivations were of, of Donald Trump. Was he serious, or is this a ploy, or what's going on? But anyway, it's irrelevant, because now we got to go get him. And, and Trump's using so, uh, not not soft words anymore. He says, these guys are going to pay. So where do you think we stand on this? Uh, when do you think our troops are
6: coming home? <laughs> well, I think it was uh, uh, Pat Lang, our old friend who runs Six Semper, Tyrannus, who said, Why doesn't Trump simply pick up his phone and talk to the person who's on watch at the CIA or NSA and ask them, do you have any evidence that this happened? Rather than sitting there watching TV and the neocons, it's a constant stream of neocons on TV playing it as a gospel. But we don't know anything about the attack. The only word, as you suggested earlier, the only thing we have is a report from the White Helmets. And of course, they're portrayed in the U.S. as the good guys. But people need to understand this. They were founded by James LeMessurier, who was a MI6 officer, a British intelligence officer with USAID money, $23 million. They started with USAID money. It's now funded by primarily the U.S. and U.K. governments. Uh, Their website is run by a a rebel or affiliated PR company, the Syria Campaign. They are clearly in the camp of we must overthrow Assad. And so here they come out once again for the third major time saying chemical attack, chemical attack. And nobody questions two things. Uh, Is there any evidence? A. And B. Why would Assad on the verge of victory suddenly decide, you know, things are going too well for me? I'm about to win this war. I better release some gas just to make everyone hate me and want to invade me. You know, it's just it's it's so preposterous. Well, you know, there were.
1: two recent attacks in Syria, as we've been talking about, alleged attacks, and we have the allies come in on the second one. Both were accomplished without express permission from Congress and were claimed to be false flags by some of alternative media. First attack on the Syrian government was launched before the UN Security Council with an already scheduled meeting, could act and make sure that the reality of the attack was confirmed. The second attack was quickly put together and executed. Neither, in neither case did the Trump administration go to Congress. As the Liberty Report said, some claimed that the gas attacks were staged by White Helmets, an organization supposedly part of the Syrian Civil Defense Force, but actually directly connected to the terrorists, who Assad was fighting and created a false flag to give the U.S. and its allies a reason to attack. I'm not saying this is true, but I'm saying that the alleged witnesses on the ground in Syria, whose work is described in alternative media, is saying that is true. There are lots of cans of worms to be open at this point. Asking the question why can bring interesting results, but you cannot always get certain answers from what you believe to be reliable alternative media. But you can at least often see a case being made that may open you to questioning any belief that was generated by mainstream media. So, you know, so Don, here, here's the situation Where, honestly, I I do think having listened to reporters who were on the ground who risked their lives to be in Syria during this time uh, and have investigated the white helmets for a long time, I think they may be it may be true. And uh, I have as much reason to think it's true as I. Well, probably more of a reason than the other, because why do you attack so immediately? Why don't you ask Congress? What is the big deal here, especially since it's completely unauthorized attack in terms of the agreements in the Security Council, because you're not supposed to be attacking someone unless they're, they're attacking you or you're trying to, you know, rescue your own people. You're not supposed to just go ahead and have humanitarian grounds to attack because that can always be used as an excuse, right? Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So um, – and the fact that it doesn't even go to Congress, and then you have to, okay, so proving the situation. So uh, what, what's going on? Congress said it was all right later. So if they were given, a, a, but let's say they were given information by an intelligence agency, should it stop there, especially about a re military strike, or should they check it out with their own resources? I'm getting back to your idea of like a citizen watch watchdog committee or citizen oversight committee, because I don't think that you can real. you need to actually have extra people, citizens, look into some of the information that you're getting from these intelligence agencies. And I realize those people might have to get certain special, uh, you know, classified uh, categories for what they're doing, security clearances. But still, in all, it's making me very uncomfortable that you have these intelligence committees and there's a war between them and the two parties, and, uh, they're, 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 and they're basically uh, they're you know they're basically coming in, in certain cases doing very unconstitutional things, allowing things to happen without taking any any control over them, which is their right. Right. Yeah. No.
2: I I I agree. They've ceded a lot of power. Um, Uh, and the executive branch has gone way out on a limb doing things that uh, Congress, uh, you know, is supposed to have the total control of the purse strings and and where we go to war, of course. That was was one of our protections. It's unfortunate that Congress has been so remiss in their own duties and pretty much handed off that uh, power to the executive branch, and they use it, and uh, they use it liberally, unfortunately,
1: and it, get, and it gets more, more and more deep. And, and you know, here's, here's one of the dangers of the Syrian attack. And I, I believe that this Syria, Syrian attack, as they say, they told the Russians about it first. And so Russians were hurt. Maybe some of their mid-planes were hurt. I, I don't remember right. in the first attack. But the point is, is that it is so simple to create something that where the Russians become involved and, and perhaps there's uh, retaliation. maybe that retaliation it will be almost by accident. Maybe it's sort of sending off certain th- certain alarms that can't be handled fast enough. Uh, so wh- why would we want to attack a country that that's al- is an ally of Russia that has Russia personnel and equipment on the ground as being protected by Russia without I think a lot <laughs> going of, that, on. A lot of that's
2: the th- internal machinery. Of these, uh, let's just say, of these wackos like, hey, John McCain and a few others that that are working with the industrial complex, uh, the deep state, let's say. And oddly enough, I love what Ron Paul said. He said, "If you or or yeah, Dr. Ron Paul, if you want to know who the deep state is, you really want to know who runs this town. Audit the Fed." And when you see (laughs) the first few names there that you're auditing, that's the deep state. And I was like, wow. And he was saying, if you really want to get to the bottom of it, know who's doing it and what's all happening. You have to audit the Fed. That made a lot of sense to me. Total sense to me. Um, Because really a lot of it's being, uh, you know, uh, internally controlled outside of our government's uh, ability to... um, To engage, and a lot of that, of course, is due to people like John McCain and a few others that keep, um, you know, working with the deep state in behind the administration's back. So a lot of these false flags and issues that are going on in some of these countries and Syria and other places is, to me, in large part due to a few people that have got it in their craw to create a very destructive um, uh, administration and to thwart Trump at every chance they get and make him look like the bad guy, the patsy. So I think a lot of that is what's really going on here. Um, And it's a tough one because, you know, that deep state, the industrial military complex has so much money tied into this. So many lobbyists, so much money tied into this, and so many toys, they want to use them, and they want to get paid for them, and they want to build more. Um,
1: well, you know, one of the things about um, about the White Helmets, they've been funded by the United States, and they even won a... Rogue factions often enough, rogue factions. You know, a lot of people
2: a, say it's the U.S. funding all this. Well, a lot of times it's just rogue factions in the government. Working with the deep
1: state money in order Well, to they Well, they even won an Oscar. They won <laughs> an Oscar for a documentary. Well, part of the things they do is they supposedly, they stage different events. Sure. And so, and so, yeah, they, they definitely were funded by the United States. I'm not saying that uh, that's all there is to it. But here's another thing. These groups that are, have been attacking Assad, I and mean, the story is. is well, that, they, that would people, be
2: like saying uh, the U.S. funded Iran. When, rogue, when a rogue Obama and a few of his uh, um, people that are highly connected to him, including and they the sent him all this money, you they mean? gave him all that money. So hey, oh, we financed Iran. It'd be like saying the same thing. Because well, to the me, thing there's thing about... rogue factions, rogue factions well, that, that are I, I trying say... to incite all this, including in Ukraine, Russia.
1: Would we call them rogue factions if they like if it, Obama is involved? Or, or Hillary Clinton? Well, I, thought, uh, I they,
2: personally like, believe uh, that uh, they're, Obama they're. was a rogue. He was a Manchurian uh, candidate He was put well, in there to well, totally I'm, I'm wipe just saying, out...
1: I'm just saying that you're talking about the major elements of the administration, and you're not talking about some... Well, secret- I personally think Obama
2: wasn't smart enough. I think the, ro- the, the a lot of the people that were around him were pretty much running the show and letting him be the pretty face to take the fall. I just don't think he he has that caliber to be able to have uh, orchestrated much of this.
1: Oh, well, I, okay. I, I'm not disagreeing with that. But here's <laughs> another thing. Look at look at Benghazi. I'm not saying that I know for sure about this, but I'm just saying one sort of theory is that the reason that that security wasn't given to that embassy was because the, the, they were involved in gun running.
2: Right, gun running. Running guns to people they, they said were run, our enemy.
1: Yeah, right. and, 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 you know, this is just, this is just one more astounding thing, which, if you spent a little bit of time, maybe you won't have the absolute answer. I, I don't but think if you
2: spent three or four President hours Trump of time, time we, I don't think you'll find President Trump running guns.
3: <laughs> oh, no, That's I mean, the no, difference.
2: That's the big just difference. Giving,
1: just giving $500 billion <laughs> deals of arms to, to Saudi Arabia.
2: Well, you know, I think I think that was a tough one. That, I didn't like that call. Didn't like that at all. But you know, you Saudi like Arabia going, was like one of our prime. In, do
1: you like what's going on in Yemen right now? Uh, well, of course not. Well, that's where he's. That's why they can continue the war, right. and they're backing. Trump is backing that war. Well, I, I I
2: think again. There's a lot of there's a lot of negotiation going on. There's a lot. Remember, Mueller's trying to create some something stormy, and, and a few of the others that are working in and around him trying to create something stormy for Russia. Uh, well, you know, uh, it, it's interesting to see how this is all going to play out. To be quite honest, <laughs> I, I'm
1: gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you uh, this is this is something that's speculative but i believe i've read that israel is beginning is is beginning to favor some kind of peace with with syria well they got with their Assad. country they got with their Assad. country you
2: look at you look at israel how tiny it was how big it is now and uh, where palestine is and they pretty much through modern warfare let's say modern warfare manipulation they now have their own country Israel is well, huge. It's got a big country. It's stabilized itself. It's got uh, our money. It's got technology, um, and uh, you know, I personally think that uh, they they're now going to have to start into the modern way of negotiating and 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 you know, uh, um, let's say uh, work uh, controlling their borders. Uh, bringing themselves more up to speed when it comes to negotiating and making uh, agreements with other countries, well, I think Israel is now c- coming into the world being a major player or will be. Well, so,
1: well, I, I just wanted to make the point. I didn't actually get to the point. Well, what I see is that
2: okay, and they've won, so they've I, got their country. The people need well, to, like, the Palestinians need to start saying honestly, and I believe this. I'm one of the few people who will say this. Uh-huh. I'm, I wouldn't live in a country that was bombing me, and I wouldn't be so beholden to the ground, the, the, the hollow ground that I walk on that I couldn't leave because it's my home, it's my homeland, this, that, and the other. These things, these empires have been growing and changing. Well, who are you and, talking and, about, the Palestinians? Right. They're not allowed to leave. Well, you know, there was a time where they, when they could have left quite easily. And now they've got themselves caged in, and now the the fight is continuing on with you know Hamas and uh, well, the well, Palestinians. Well, anyway, yeah,
1: I want I want to make my point here. So just for a second, okay. So what I'm saying is they're making to get Assad. Well, what's the deal? The deal is to get Iran, Hezbollah, these different groups out of out of um, Syria. Get, get Iran out of Syria and their... And it's the, a good idea, get them Okay, out. yeah, get them out. <laughs> and so therefore, very importantly, to get Russia uh, allied with us in that respect, and therefore we can share the pipeline that is coming from Israel that is in the Go- Golem Heights, uh, a huge amount of oil, right. supposedly. And what's so, all that, so, so that so 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 what I see is an alliance based on uh, commercial reasons, for one thing, and uh, therefore I also see one of one of uh, the alliance already Trump, been put one in a, place. One of, one of <laughs> Trump's one of Trump's motives in dealing with Russia the way he is. I'm not saying that that particular thing is is necessarily wrong. I'm just saying what I see is a potential alliance that will open up Syria to this pipeline.
2: Sure. I and, think that's well on the way, by the way. I think you're right on, and I think that's the way things are
1: heading, actually. So, um, now, uh, now, let's talk, before like, we have, we're almost, I mean, you let me know what, what our situation is here. Okay. okay, but I want to talk about something else that sure. I, I find, I find uh, interesting, and it's kind of a deviation here. <laughs> uh, and that is Trump saying... That he wants Jeff Sessions to f- fire Mueller. The, uh, yeah. Mueller situation. Now, I thought that was an extremely strange thing to do because he does strange things. He keeps people guessing. Uh, even the, <laughs> yeah, he does. But Jeff Sessions is recused from the and closing down for him. Not not Rosenstein, but but he is not allowed to deal with the. Russiagate situation. to have, So to have him close it, I understand he may have very interesting and devious motivations in doing this, or he may be just not. I have no idea. But it is strange for him to do it, don't you think? Because I don't know if Jeff Sessions could do it. I don't
2: think so. Was- After he said, you know, when they when they showed up in court, and then they said, okay, we're going to indict these Russians, and there was no information, and... and, and the kind of uh, playing around that they've done with the whole case, to me, uh, bleeds of um, of deceit, dishonesty, and I believe the whole thing's a sham, and they haven't brought anything after all this time that that originally was the premise uh, of, of the whole investigation. Now it's changed, became an octopus, and now it's into everything from his personal discussions with his own lawyer to his personal emails it's just it's a witch hunt and we're paying the money to play this witch hunt on our own president after all this time no i think it should be shut down i, I think sessions if he can do it being recused he should but i don't know like you're saying whether
1: that's well the- that was really my main point i you know right. in terms of the reality of this thing i honestly can't say yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I can't say because, for instance, this thing about military intelligence. You know, they found fourteen people. The most recent one, and the the one that that uh, Trump. Well, and was
2: they divorced. had to find something. I mean, by God, if they didn't find something, they'll bloody well make it up.
1: Well, they they they've been making it up <laughs> until this time. I don't think they had really anything that they could say. But the fact is, is that you know the fact that they said it doesn't mean it's true. Because look at some of the false flags that have been created. I won't go into them. Mueller, it, you got to remember, very, Mueller is one of the most
2: devious criminal minds that have ever been put in this position. He has been he has been a safeguard, a lifeboat, a savior for these wicked, wicked people on the scene. And he's been doing it for decades. The guy is probably one of the most corrupt people that will ever be in politics besides uh, Clinton. And for him running this show and creating this uh, situation when the guy is the one of the most corrupt people is just insulting to the American people, insulting. It's like Clinton leading the leading the charge and trying to play righteous and trying to find all these negative issues and things and trying to go on a witch hunt. Uh, it'd be just like her doing it, only it's Mueller. He's just
1: as bad. Well... Just as
2: bad. I
1: haven't studied... Uh, his background oh my gosh but this guy's a cover he's a a cover-up artist he's been covering up for the clintons
2: obamas and, and 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 some of the criminal elements within our government for such a long time he's part and parcel to it i personally believe i personally believe that he's mixed up in the glue as well he's part of that glue that binds them all together that pedophilia glue i think he's in there somehow i truly do he might not be personally flavored that way but he's definitely around the wackos that are and he's in bed with them and he stinks to high heaven as far as i'm concerned
1: you you don't feel dispassionate about this in other words right at all (laughs) (laughs) well i don't i only know is he was around uh, you know the 9-11 commission and other, and, and of course, another part of that th- problem and, too, and other th- and other things. Uh, obviously, he's uh, was a he's friend been of Comey's. Cover
2: up problems for decades. This guy,
1: but I, but the thing about it is that um, I I just see all of them as being tremendously corrupted. I mean, we just talked about Syria. That's a very corrupt thing it to is. do to attack them. But it's so important. That's the thing. The more
2: important an area is, geopolitically speaking, uh, the more hell it's going to go through. Syria's in it now. I mean, you get this oil pipeline, and, you know, you got some of the uh, the biggest money uh, in, uh, you know, once we start moving into a country, the big money, the big oil companies move in. I know I was in that business, and I saw how fast they'd move into Pakistan or, or, uh, you know, Syria or jordan or you know it moving so fast the big money that you know and through their own agreements that nobody really gets in there before them so they take all the cream of the crop and then start hammering down agreements to keep it that way it's the way of it Syria's in it now and 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 they got a hell of a situation because i mean look at where it's located it's perfect perfect spot you Israel know what, is always think... going to be in a in, in a, a prime location, in a prime spot, so they're always going to have problems until we can either sit down and uh, hammer out a level playing field uh, or not. And
1: Israel's in it. You bet. Well, you know what, Don? I'd like to take a little bit of a, a, an unusual break here. I'm not sure where we are in terms of you know time and so forth, but I would like to play maybe I can. a Hmm? Uh, pardon me? I'd like to play a few songs in, in, Let's in, do it. in sequence. This will be three songs. And, uh, and then, you know, take a break between the songs. But anyway, the first one, first of all, I just want to say this. George Santayana is a great poet, I am sure. But his wor- poems can be a bit depressing. But there's one line that's always stuck with me from Sonnet 25. In the midst of battle like in the midst of our conversation today in the midst of battle there's room for thoughts of love so in the midst of these great challenges we face we need to remember the good things the beautiful things so here's lightstorms tribute to such a beautiful imaginations it's called sweet dreamer m41 No matter what you do in this world, whether running a political campaign or building a new shoe business or leading a band, there are critical elements that most people don't notice. But they are sometimes one of the key foundations of your success. This is a song about one of those forgotten pillars of organizations that actually work. In this case, the roadie, forgotten hero and essential ingredient of all successful touring bands. Now here's Lightstorm's song about them called Roadrunner and 40. (laughs) Well, Don, I have to say I want to thank you for the excitement of this show. <laughs> thank you. Are you kidding? But I, I I, but I promise you that the next couple of shows are going to definitely challenge you. So we're, we're going to see where you go with that. Fantastic. I like a good we, challenge. We, <laughs> we believe in free speech and BBS. And, uh, so well, I, now you was know done. why I don't
2: have my own show. Because if I had my own show, anybody who listened to me would go, gosh, what a prick. I don't want to be on his (laughs) network.
1: (laughs) Well, you are on his network as a featured guest, but um, I understand what you mean. But we're going to go into some depths of things that I've discovered. Anyway, uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to play the extra and uh, then sort of a special ending. Another ending here. And then we're going to end with, which we, which I really think we both need now, a song called Give Me Your Love by Lightstorm.
3: Give Me so Your that's
1: Love. A- I like the sound of that. So we'll play those in sequence and we'll say goodbye to everybody. It's INF Extra 2, SB10, and M39 in that order. And, uh, you know, the thing about it is that we are trying to talk about paradigms. And you and I disagree a lot about what's happening on the, on the ground, so to speak, in certain areas. In other areas, we're in total disagreement. I mean, sorry, we're in total agreement. In other areas, we're in total agreement. But when it comes to the paradigms, we seem to come pretty close. Because uh, we I all really recognize <clears throat> that there's an imperfection in everything that's going on. Right. And when you start in the opposite way which is really a, a freedom that most people don't have. If you listen to MSNBC or Fox News, they're not thinking about new paradigms. They're too right. criti- to busy criticizing the other person's paradigm. Right. <laughs> so anyway, right. Um, I'm looking forward to our next show next Thursday. And uh, this is a talk radio show, and people can call in and join the arguments and the excitement and the challenges. Right, so they we'll-
2: should be. They should be calling in toll-free. Uh That's 888-627-6008. Write that down, folks. Next week, we want you calling in and being a part of the program. Those are 800 numbers, right? Right, right. 888-627-6008. Okay, well, we will go out now, and thank you so much, Don. Thank you. I appreciate
1: it. Thank you. Thanks for joining Don Newsom and I on Inalienable and Free, Voice of the Coalition. As we go about developing our new organization, the Coalition for Planetary Empowerment, we hope you will consider the importance of taking part in the electoral processes of your government and asserting the rights you have to vote for the companies you respect and love by casting your ballot as a shareholder or as a consumer with what you buy. We hope soon to make this possible through a social network Responsive to your needs to dialogue about your rights as a citizen, but also to be able to effectively act in concert with like-minded colleagues who find representatives of government and business executives will hear your voice and appreciate your message. See you soon. This is Johnny Blue Star. Imagine a dark night, the wind is crisp and cool, the sky cloudless and majestic. Perhaps you are walking alone or with a loved one. Scattered about the night sky are thousands upon thousands of points of light. Look above you, friends of this restless planet, out there into the night sky. Unknown worlds await. Beauty beyond imagination. Intelligence beyond comprehension. Life in its infinite forms and variations, yet all from the same seed. The same fundamental vibration. A cosmic tapestry of infinite light. At each thread, unique and indispensable, look above you, out into the vastness of the night sky, or your destiny lies out there, somewhere among the stars.
3: Not the lie that's any. I'm disillusioned. I'm discontent. Father, understand. Ding, ding,